Hey there and welcome to the Thinking Christian Podcast. This is your host, Dan Kramer, and I want to thank you for joining me today on this podcast. If you'd like to know more about me or this podcast, just go to thethinkingchristian.us, thethinkingchristian.us. There you'll find my website, uh, information there about me, about this podcast, uh, your resources. You can go to all the previous uh, podcasts. Uh, the archives are all there, so you can download uh, anything you want to and uh, listen to it at your leisure. And as always, feel free to leave a comment if you'd like to uh, on any of the podcasts. If you like it or dislike it or agree or disagree, I'd love to hear from you in any event. Uh, you can contact me through my website if you'd like to do that as well. Uh, some people have already reached out to me, and I always appreciate hearing from anybody, even if it's, hey, I don't like what you're saying. And that's cool, too. Okay, let's get into today's episode. I want to talk about... Uh, Bible translations and which version is best for you. This uh, topic came to mind uh, to me after a recent Bible study at my house. Incidentally, uh, my wife and I hold weekly Bible studies Thursday nights at our home. You are invited. This is your official invitation. Anybody can come. You don't even have to be a believer to be there. Uh, just show up. We, we meet at 6 o'clock. We have a meal and then we re- retire to the dining room or kitchen wherever and we have a Bible study. Uh, currently, we're going through the Gospel of John, and uh, we've had some good conversations. So, uh, put it on your calendar. Stop in Thursday. You might want to send me a, a note first to let me know you're coming, just in case for some reason we'd cancel the, the Bible study, but uh, it is open to anybody who would like to, to attend. In any event, um, at our one of our recent Bible studies, uh, I was making a point based on a word that was found in the Scriptures, and... Uh, the word here is not not important for this topic, but I was making a point on a word. And one of the gentlemen who was sitting in the Bible study, and you could kind of just see the wheels spinning behind his eyes as we're talking, he said, wait a second. He said, I, I get your point, but my wife's Bible doesn't have that word. He said, you're making a big deal about one word, and yet it's not in her Bible. It's in my Bible, but not hers. He said, that kind of makes a difference, doesn't it? And I agreed with him. It, it does. I mean, it, you know, because the point I was making was significant. And if that word is not there, then you know the point would be gone. And so his question led into a discussion of uh, Bible versions and translations. And I think uh, I think it's important to talk about. Uh, and um, so that's what I want to do today. And as we talk about this, I want to. Uh, I'm just really talking about English Bibles. Uh, I, yeah, I don't um, I don't know much about any other Bible uh, other than the English language Bible. I have a German Bible at home, but I, I really can't comment too much on on it and, and how it is translated. So my my talk today is really going to be focused on English Bibles only. Um, so okay, uh, your Bible that you have at home or wherever you keep it on your phone or whatever. Uh, your English Bible is uh, is a Bible that's based on original text scriptures. Now, the uh, Old Testament was predominantly written in Hebrew. Uh, the New Testament was written in Greek. Um, and I'll I'll really just kind of focus on the New Testament here, just to make it easier. I'll just talk sort of about the New Testament. But the New Testament Greek is really not even the Greek that's spoken today. Uh, it was called it's it's called Koine Greek Greek. And uh, it was uh, it was a certain style of Greek language that was used in the first and second century, and that's what we have today. 
So translators take that Greek text written in a language that we don't speak today and they translate it into English. Now to do that, you have to make some decisions um, about how to translate some things. And uh, it's, not a, it's not an easy task at all to, to go from one language to another. And as a result, there are several, I'll call them philosophies regarding translations and, and how the text was brought to you from its original language. There are um, three very basic kind of translations. One is called a formal equiv equivalence. One is called a dynamic equivalence. And the third I'll just call a paraphrase. Um, and I want to talk about those. Um, don't let those words kind of scare you. They're, they're kind of easy. They're just kind of fancy words. But formal equivalence is another word for word-for-word -word translation. Okay, word-for-word. -word. In a word-for-word -word translation, the translators are taking the original, let's say in this instance Greek, they're looking at the Greek text, and they're giving you the best word for every word in the text. It's a word for word. So they see the Greek word and they seek to find the best English word that fits that Greek word. Um, and so as you read a word for word uh, translation, you are reading a translation that is um, pretty loyal to that Greek text in terms of, you know, it's, it's translating each word in its best possible form. A good a couple examples of word-for-word um, -word Bibles are uh, King James Version, New King James Version, uh, there's the New American Standard Version and the English Standard Version. These are, these are uh, pretty good word-for-word -word translations. Uh, they, they look at the original word, they try to find the best English word to fit that. Now that's called a formal equivalence or word-for-word -word translation. Uh, but that's just one way of translating the, uh, the, the Bible. Another way of doing it is a dynamic equivalence. Now this is, uh, that's the fancy word for thought for thought. It's a little bit different philosophy, has a different approach to translating it. What the translators do in a dynamic equivalence or thought for thought translation is they try to find not just, not really the, well, let's put it this way. They're less committed to the exact words of the original manuscript, and they're more committed to trying to relay the thought of the passage to you. And so as a result, it generally reads very well. Matter of fact, a lot of people prefer the dynamic equivalence to a word-for-word -word, uh, translation. They prefer a thought-for-thought -thought because a word-for-word -word translation can be kind of choppy, it can be kind of clunky at times because they're just following the words and those words take them wherever and sometimes it can be a little, like I said, clunky. It's, it's sometimes a little difficult to read. But I, I, a thought-for-thought -thought translation is not like that. It is smoothed out, it's easy to read, it's easy to understand, and probably the most famous um, uh, translation in, in this, or at least most popular, so let's put it that way, the most popular translation is the NIV, the New International Version. This is uh, a thought-for-thought -thought translation. So the editors, or the translators, were not, again, they're not as concerned with giving you the exact words that were found in the Greek text. They're, they're telling you what the writer, what they think he was thinking. 
Um, now, even as I say that, that might catch you, and you might even say, but wait a second, what if they were thinking wrong? And that is a danger uh, with some of these. Now, I, I don't think that the NIV is a, a bad Bible. Um, I have some issues with a couple passages, but then that's just me. I, you know, who am I anyways? But there's a couple of, of passages. I don't necessarily agree with the way they translated it, but that's... Uh, you know that's what they did they, they translated the thought of the passage I think a, a really good difference in understanding how these two philosophies play out a really good example I should say is found in Amos uh, chapter 8 and the Old Testament Amos chapter 8 the uh, first two verses and in Amos chapter 8 um, Amos the, the prophet is shown a vision and in this vision he sees a, a basket of summer fruit and um, what he's told is that this is to signify that, that the judgment was coming soon the, the, the time was soon that, that God was going to judge now when you read that in the King James or New King James or New American Standard or English Standard Version, when you read that passage in, in, those, uh, in, in those translations, it may not jump out to you as much. And the reason why is because in the original Hebrew, there is a, a play on words going on that you and I can't see in the English. When Amos was shown the basket of summer fruit, the word, and I don't know what the Hebrew word is, I, I looked it up once, I just don't remember, the Hebrew word for summer um, is very similar to, um, I think uh, the word is uh, time. Um, when, it, when he's shown a basket of summer fruit, he said, the time is near. And there's a play on word between summer and time. But that is totally lost in the English. And so as you read, as you read that passage in, in one of these word-for-word -word translations, the impact of that vision isn't going to jump out to you as much. It, it really, you know, here's a basket of summer fruit. What does it mean? Well, the time is near. Okay. You know, it, it, it doesn't, it, it's not as obvious. Now, in the Thought for Thought, like the New International Version, the NIV, when they uh, dealt with that passage, they did something I thought was interesting. They changed the words. Um, the, 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 um, in the passage, Amos, it says in the NIV, is shown a basket of ripe fruit. So they dropped the word summer, which appears in the original text, and inserted the word ripe. Amos is shown a basket of ripe fruit. And then the meaning, well, the time is ripe for judgment, something like that. Okay, now there, I get that. Here's a basket of ripe fruit. What does that mean? Well, the time is ripe. Okay, you know, it, it, I get that. And, it, and, and that vision and its message are clear, I think, in that rendering. And it's maybe meaningful like that. So, but in a, but in a way we have to say that we've, we've lost something. I mean, we've, we've lost the original words and instead we've put in different words. Um, Amos was not shown a basket of ripe fruit. He was shown a basket of summer fruit. fruit. Um, the message was not the time is ripe, but that uh, it, was, it was time for judgment or something like that. And so we have a changing of the original text, a changing of the original words. And I think what you and I as the reader must decide when we're coming to the text is to decide which one do we prefer.
I mean, if you like to read the Bible curled up on a couch and, you know, just kind of just to read it like a, a book or a novel, maybe a dynamic equivalence, a uh, thought for thought, like the NIV, is good for you. It, you know, it just it flows really nicely. It's easy to understand. If you're the kind of person who really likes to dig deep, you like to look up the words, you like to know what the words are saying, you want to know that you have the right words, then I highly recommend that you go get a formal equivalence or a word-for-word translation of the Bible. The New American Standard is, is really one of the best, I think. I think. Um, these Bibles will, will give you that word-for-word, and you'll be assured that you have probably the closest word for that original word. Now, the third category is called a paraphrase, and um, in the paraphrase, the, the editors, the translators, they weren't really, well, they weren't at all uh, seeking to uh, use the original words. They, in fact, I think they went out of their way to find new words to say something. They, they, um, they were not loyal to the original text as more loyal to the philosophy of trying to find a different way to say it. They were trying to paraphrase what it was said. And so some of these are kind of different for me. I mean, I, I really struggle to um, to read some of them. I mean, I, I, mean, I understand them. Um, examples of these would be like the Good News Bible, the Living Bible, and uh, the Message, which came out not terribly long ago. These Bibles, uh, again, they're, they're not loyal to the original text, they're loyal to the philosophy of finding a new way to say it. And, um, you know, if that's what you want, uh, go for it. I, I suppose you can probably kind of hear in my voice how I feel about the, some of these paraphrases. I, they're not my way of, of studying, but I'm not going to knock them. I mean, if this is something that uh, you you like, something that's easy for you to, to read, uh, and understand, uh, I'd rather see you reading the Bible than not reading the Bible. And if a paraphrase is the way you read the Bible, then for goodness sake, read the Bible. Uh, read a paraphrase. So these three uh, philosophies uh, are important to keep in mind as we study the Bible. And going back to the Bible study that we had at our house that caused this uh, man to ask this question, in, in the particular instance, the word that I was talking about was not found in his wife's Bible because she had, I think, a paraphrase. And they were not looking to replicate the words from the text. He, as I recall, he had a uh, formal equivalence or a word-for-word Bible in his lap. And therefore, he was looking at the word. His wife didn't have the word. And, um, and and that's where it came from. So it, it gave me an opportunity to talk about that a little bit, and I think he understood then the differences. Um, so that is why I want to talk about that today. I think for me, the bottom line is I want to see people reading the Bible. So what kind of Bible do you want? What kind of Bible do you like? Do you like to read a word-for-word word translation? Are you interested in just a thought-for-thought? Thought, or do you like to read the paraphrase? I think it's important to know what you're reading and to know how loyal it is to the original text. But above all, I do want to see people reading the Bible. And I hope you'll pick up yours and read it some more. Well, that's all I have for today. I'm going to sign out with this. Hope to see you next time on the Thinking Christian Podcast.
Thank you.